I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. I talk to the people that make the Rochester food and drink scene interesting and go on plenty of tangents along the way. In episode 49 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Rory Van Grohl from Ugly Duck Coffee. We talked about his year operating a pop-up coffee shop on the streets of Rochester, New York. We talked about some of the journey to opening his own brick-and-mortar coffee shop. And we also talked a little bit about the way Rory lives his life. It's a little bit different than most people, but I really appreciate the reasons why he does it. And I think it was a really interesting conversation. This episode's coming out June 25th. And if you happen to be listening to this this weekend, stay tuned on Monday for a special 50th episode of the Food About Town podcast that I'll be recording live at the Jazz Fest on Sunday afternoon, talking about some of the food items that'll be served there. And I'm really looking forward to this one. Hopefully it turns out really well. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share out on social media, subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Thanks for listening. This is one of the first podcasts I've done where it's actually nighttime. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and I've got Rory Van Grohl from Ugly Duck Coffee here tonight. Hello, hello. What's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, gearing up for the the week that we got ahead of us, you know. Grand opening is on Tuesday, so we're pretty amped on that. So it's the official grand opening? The official. Yeah, yeah. 100% going for it. Uh It'll launch into our evening hours. So um, right now we've just been doing our soft opening, training people, um, getting comfortable, uh, having spending some time adding shelving and other things. Um, so we've been doing 8 to 3 uh, from Tuesday to Saturday right now. And then we're launching into 8 to 7 Tuesday through Saturday. Wow. So that's the yeah, big yeah. step. Exciting. Yeah. yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot more hours, but. I'm up for it. Yeah. Well, let's let's put the plug in. So let's let's give the location. Sure. And- yeah. So, uh, you know, since uh, not popping up everywhere, uh, we have landed at 89 Charlotte Street. Uh, it's 
the old little bakery for a lot of people remember okay. that um and then most recently the old 1975 gallery um it's located um uh facing uh pitkin street so all the rubble and lovely and interloop happenings one-way right. streets and <laughs> everything that's confusing to people yeah right at right, our, in the, right in the middle of that. right at our front door um but uh yeah you can ent- you can come in through the hearts parking lot and we are uh have parking right directly behind our building um and then you can come through our doors um right behind tubine as well so there's a nice couple of great landmarks there being hearts and and tubine yeah and absolutely i mean you got those two you got those two places i mean somebody's going for going for groceries, going for dinner, you've got two combination things to do with what you're offering. So Yeah, and then the little theater's right there, and arenas, uh, you know, florist is right there, which is awesome. Um, yeah, there's, I, th- I think it's going to be a great, it's a great spot in general, and it's only going to get better. Yeah, so you, you and I were talking about this a little the other day, about first option locations versus what actually ended up happening. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for, for those of you that don't know, I mean, this, you, you've been on a bit of a journey over the last, what has it been like almost two years now, right? Yeah. Over two years. Uh, well, yeah. So about two and a half years currently, um, since we really started planning to open up a shop, uh, we, we were going for a neighborhood shop, um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for whatever reasons, a lot of reasons. Nine months, we had a lease, and we just had to walk away. Um, we It was a great space. Still is a great space. Yeah, because, I mean, that was – so for those of you that don't know, that was going to be in the North Winton Village area, Yep. which for me, being just outside the North Winton Village area, <laughs> I mean, really, the, the plans and the, the few photos I saw of the space, I mean, it really was shaping up to be sort of a landmark – community building place in the neighborhood as far as i was concerned yeah i mean that's what we wanted we wanted to be like a neighborhood community oriented spot you know where people walk their dogs walk their kids you know families come hang out um and you know we still hope we can be that space um unfortunately it's not within uh, an actual neighborhood right now. Uh, and yeah. it's building up around us. I mean, not to say that the city isn't a neighborhood, but it's definitely different. Uh, and it's cha- and it's transitioning so fast. Yeah, totally. I mean, with right with the with the interloop filling in and all the controversy that's coming around with that yeah. right now. Charlotte Street Apartments should be done in a few months, so that that's huge. That's it's great jump it's off point. Great to have a built-in audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I guess, I mean, yes, we're kind of going through the history of Ugly Duck Coffee. <laughs> so we're talking about what the original location was. Yeah. And after that, I mean, you went in a completely different direction. Yeah. So we, so after we walked away from the space, which was probably one of the hardest things that I had to do was to, you know, switch gears and really just give some you know you felt like you're giving up a part of yourself you know like you, that you were failing in a in, in a weird way um but ultimately like i think that it made us my wife and i and when i say us uh more committed to what we were doing um and then year two of our business plan initially was to do a, an events catering side um and that's where the mobile unit and all of that aspect uh, came out of us for doing pop-up stuff. So, you know, we gave up the keys and we, you know, two hours later started planning 
what is not what was the the mobile operation. So you know, I I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's a you're really getting deep into the entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> once the first thing fails, and you don't just like. Uh, you do a little bit, of course. Oh I mean, yeah, because there's there's got to be some grieving, some oh totally about I was, what it was. I was a, I was totally frustrated and pissed off and sad and you know. But at the end of the day, it's it's I knew that this is what I wanted to be doing, um, and my wife was like, "No, this is you know." Ever since we met, like that's your passion is this, and this is what you need to pursue. Uh, so you know, we were just like, "All right, I'll continue working jobs, and I will." make this happen and figure it out. So, I mean, it really, from, from the time that stopped to the time the cart actually hit the streets, yeah. what, what was that time period in between when you were sort of halfway in between things? So December, 2014 was, uh, when we bought, uh, our mobile machine and when we laid plans to do the mobile bar and set up, um, June 14th, 2015, is when uh, we had our first pop-up. So, I mean, you're talking six months solid of prep and work and planning. Yep. We had to build out a uh, kitchen in our basement to have it be, you know, licensed with the health department. and Really? Yeah, all that stuff. So you had to turn your basement into a commissary. Yep. Uh, We had to build a separate separate, uh, doored unit with sinks and all that stuff, yeah. Wow. See, I didn't think you had to actually turn your. <laughs> I'm just going to say that just because it's a little baffling, you had to turn your basement into an official commissary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you're not <laughs> serving food. Not food. No. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a you know food product, I guess, but you're not serving food. Yeah. So, we're, yeah, we had to, uh, we went through all the hoops to, to do that and with Monroe County and. You know, just we just wanted to be legal and we wanted to have everything on a level playing field and yeah. and not get caught like doing something we weren't weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's plenty that have in yeah. the past, and then you, and then you build momentum, and then what happens? You know, you're, you're kind of left holding a bag and a loan, and you still have to pay for something. You know, right? So we did it. We tried to be as legit as possible. <sighs> Was there any other weird hoops that you thought you had to deal with that I, you weren't ready that you weren't ready for? Y- yeah, I mean, you there's so much back and forth, and there's so many uh, little things that you don't think ma- like you don't think about when you're planning something like this, yeah. and, and you figure it out as you go. Like uh, you'll go to one person, and they'll say, "No, well, you need to talk to this person," and then you go to that person, and then they lead you back to somebody else, and it's. It's a weird race and a weird roundabout uh, journey in a, in a big way. And I understand why people have higher lawyers to get them through this process. Oh, I can't imagine. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all new and it's when you're finally cracking that, cracking that seal of owning your own business, it's a completely different world. Totally, totally. And Even and, though it's all the same things, but it's completely different. Yeah. And, you, I mean, a lot of people don't see that. Like, the six months of getting a pop-up off the ground, you know, or a mobile unit off the ground. Right. And, and from switching gears, you know, filing all your legal requirements to be a business and then filing all your, um, you know, inspections and, and what have you and certifications and, and all those things that you need to operate um, might seem silly to some people, but that's the law of the land currently. And then when you don't fall into any of those niches, like those those designations, then people don't really know what to do. And then 
you're kind of like, okay. Right, because you're not a food truck. Right. You're not a hot dog cart. Right. You're a completely different entity all in one thing, but they're trying to fit you into those Absolutely. those veins. <laughs> so, so you're confusing people along the way trying to <laughs> trying to describe your process. So, right. Uh, it's definitely it was definitely interesting and you you learn how to navigate that system and you learn you know what to say so they would understand what you're doing. Um and I think that helped us be able to pitch what we're doing um yeah. to people that might not understand what we were going for. Yeah, so I mean, so you, so you dealt with all the paperwork, and you learned a lot of stuff that you never actually have to know again. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I mean, I I think I mean even that helped us get to the brick and mortar location because we had even more things that we had to to do, you know, in order right. to get that open, you know, like going through zoning and and all those, you know, things that that people don't think about, you know, building code violations and if that holds you up and you know where does that lie and and. A little, little of those things that. Right, I mean that that's that's the crazy part. I mean it's it's such a. There's so much behind the scenes, and people just think, oh, it's you buy coffee for this, you sell it for this. There's lots of profit in between, and not <laughs> all the countless hours that go in between those two things, all the backgrounds, all the like, all the electric, and, and yeah. turning what essentially what was a, what was an art gallery. Yeah, I mean obviously it had a restaurant history, but. Well, it was essentially an art gallery into a functioning coffee shop environment. Yeah, plumbing and electric and all, all of the things that, you know, even when you're designing the space, you know, things pop up, things happen, and you discover things, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, oh, we, didn't yeah. even, we didn't even think about that. Uh, <laughs> how do you have to make, like, you know, you have to make decisions that are instant. You know, you can't consult everyone that is a part of the plan because then you lose a day, right? you know, and you want to be open so you can't lose that day. And there's things that you're like, well, maybe that wasn't the right thing, but we're open. Yeah. Yeah, that's not always the worst thing. So, I mean, let, let's let's take a step back. Yeah, and yeah. Hit, hey, we... So the cart launches June a year ago. Yeah. And the first day, the first day you were open, where were you? Scratch Bake Shop. Yep, they were the first ones to, you know, we I've known Kate for a long time, worked with her at the Owl House, and uh, once she launched the bakery, uh, before they were even open and they were just baking out of there, they knew, she knew I was planning this, and she said, you know, wh- whenever you're ready, let us know. We would love to have you. Yeah, so for those that don't know, they're over on Park Ave. Yep, M- yeah. Park and Meg's, Park essentially. Park and Meg's, yep. yeah. Yep, right next to uh, um, Pe- Shot Peppermint. Right, right. So World it's, Hair over there, yeah. Yeah, so they're... They're kind of you know the modern the modern bakery with you know vegan option gluten free options yep. sweets sweets sweet bakery not right not bread bakery not break yeah exactly Bra- bakery <laughs> the bakery <laughs> um, so that was the first place I know I I visited you there a number of times yeah. on uh, Sundays yep Sundays were the day yeah and um, it seemed like it, that was that was one of the one of the core places where you'd go. And people knew that you were going to be there. Yeah, it was great. It was it was a easy routine to fall into, especially since they wanted to launch doing donuts on Sundays. Super complimentary. Um, it's people that we vibed with, and we understood where we we're at, and we, there was no need to explain what we were doing. They just got it. Right. Well, not only they got it, but I think the customers when I at least when I was there, you'd see people come in. They're like, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. There's a pop up espresso shop 
here in Scratch Bake Shop today. It just made sense. Yeah. I mean, I, it's great. The space was small, but it was fun. It was such a good, good jumping off point, and they were great. Um, you know, the, having that relationship and that building that trust is is part of building that community that we really want um, throughout the city, not just through certain coffee establishments or anything. It's just like that, that industry in general. Yeah. So scratch was a main place. Yeah. What, what were the other big haunts for you as a mobile unit? I, I mean, everywhere we were was, was amazing. Um, you know, we got to be at the Playhouse Swillburger once they opened. Um, that I mean, was that, that got a huge reaction. That was a lot of fun. Um, doing espresso milkshakes with them that was uh, that was a blast. Uh, just you know that space in general is, is awesome to be in. Um, and you know doing stuff at Fiorella when they got to open that was amazing. We we've gotten to develop an amazing relationship with them, especially them having the ability to to have us there for their market days, which was awesome um and both of those businesses same thing they got it they understood what we were doing and there's no questions asked it was easy and it was just great um same thing with like abode we popped up at abode which is a furniture store in the south wedge which is awesome and thread which is a clothing store in the south wedge um you know we uh where else have we gotten to I mean, I mean, those were kind of like more regularly scheduled ones yeah. um, that we did scheduled events at, um, and then we got you know uh, offered other other places like Ganondigan had a grand opening and we were out there and that was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was it was so wonderful. Um, you know, and uh, you know West Elm has been another one where they've invited us in, and so that that's been a lot of fun. Just. The mobility aspect is is cool and interesting and allows you to uncover certain things about what you're doing. You have to adapt, you know, like being at the Red Fern, you know, that was a super tight space that I was in. So you the the mobility of the table we built was to be broken down, to be added onto. So you, you could manipulate space, which was really cool. So yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good thing to talk about too. So you had a custom built cart yeah. for and let's actually just say you were doing mobile espresso. You weren't doing brewed coffee. Right, right, right. Yeah, just just espresso beverages because adding another option for me just wasn't viable to do time wise or uh, to have the amount of space to do it. It wouldn't have worked. Well, and that's and when I say espresso only, it makes it it sort of trivializes that espresso sounds easy. Oh, right, right. <laughs> like, espresso requires a serious amount of power, consistent sources of water. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping keeping milk cold. Yeah. Um, all these things, being able to clean consistently because espresso's temperamental. Yeah. And you're trying to do all of this mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, picking the right machine to do it was was key. You know, uh, doing a lot of research about bringing in what machine to have on hand. Yeah. So what what were what were some of the reasons why you picked? What did you have, and why why did you go that direction? Yeah. So the GS three, the Lamarzoko GS three machine. The reason that I went towards towards it, a Lamarzoko is just an amazing company. hand-built all their machines in Florence, Italy. Uh, and 
as far as that machine specifically, um, the research that I had done, it's a pro-consumer machine for home use, and um, it can be easily plumbed in. So essentially, like you could plumb it into your house, gotcha. um, which you can do with any machine, but it's a 110-volt machine. So you can plug it into any outlet as long as it's not overrun by other stuff. It won't trip. Right. Um, and then the water supply is... is because it can be plumbed in, all that machine has an internal pump, so you don't have to, like, have, like, uh, well, what do they call them? Uh, I have one, a flow jet. So you don't have okay. to have a specific flow jet just for that machine. Gotcha. Which is huge. So with everything built in, you can be more flexible with your water source. Yep. And plugging into a wall outlet is huge yeah. versus trying to find a two. To like 10 to, or adapt right. somehow, you know, like yeah. there's ways to jump through that, but it's the flexibility isn't there when you're doing a mobile setup. And and now more, there's other machines out there that, that are mobile friendly as well, but this one was just beautiful. It was, you know, it, it just went with what I was going, wanted to go for. And, and it's just a hands out amazing machine. Yeah. So, and so you've got your custom built rig from, yeah. From all of our buddies at Stash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, worked with them. They they designed the first space that we were going to move into. It was designed and ready to go. And when we switched it up, they were like, yeah, this sucks. But, yeah, let's let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. So we just turned, turned the other way, and they totally got it and understood it and were psyched on, on supporting that. And, yeah, went for it. And Switched direction, yeah. Yeah. So you're doing the mobile all different locations. I'm always interested. So it's obviously, I think the reception was pretty strong. I mean, everything went, I mean, from, from the outsider perspective, yeah, yeah, everything seemed smooth. Everything seemed great. He has a big positive reception. (laughs) I mean, you you hit the streets a lot and I, I mean, all I ever heard was this is a great thing. Everybody's excited. Cool. What were some of the less positive things that came out? <laughs> Not came out of it because I mean, obviously a the part experience. of it, yeah, that people don't see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think, yeah, I'm glad that that was what we put out. Um, and because it meant a lot, just letting people, let, letting us be being somewhere was enough for me to be psyched. Yeah. Um, to have people open their doors and let us in was amazing. Um, and I feel very humbled and, and you know, like that people are into it and would welcome us into their home. Um, the other thing that people don't see often is like the downtime, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, like those are things, those are tools that we used like to get people in the door of not only like our space, but the other spaces that we were occupying. Um, so you know, it wasn't always busy. There was days, you know, where, you know, I would be somewhere and I would have like five sales. I mean, that was just the end of the day. You know, I, I've still to this day, besides tips, have never taken any money from the business, like to this day right now. Um, so like, I think those are things people don't really see, like some tip money. Yeah. Like I'll take that. But on a day-to-day basis, I, I have not, taken any money from the business whatsoever um and and, but like i don't it doesn't bother me like because i want this to succeed like this is a passion of mine um and ultimately that will change probably next week but (laughs) (laughs) i hope so for your sake (laughs) 
you know, two weeks ago I stopped working another job. So, you know, like I <laughs> finally like have gotten to the point where I, I will have to and can like feel good about doing that, you know? Um, but I think people don't really see that aspect of it. You know, like I would get out there Thursday through Sunday and do what I needed to do for the business to pay for itself. And, and that's all I wanted. Um, and knowing that I was going to build to the point to open up a shop. Like that was like, this is marketing. This is our way to get out there and, and really engage people and have people like know what we're about before we get into a space. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in a lot of good ways that was completely successful in that it engendered so much goodwill in the community. Your name got out there, not only your name, but the business's name became synonymous with being around, being part of the community. And that's, that seems to be a pretty important part of this. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, like I, I couldn't have done this without people's support, not only people, you know, partaking in the drink, but also people welcoming us into their spaces and just, following us along on our journey. I mean, people, I created regulars that would follow me from space to space. That is amazing to me. Like that is bar none. Like I, you know, I, I was flabbergasted that that happened. Yeah. You know, and you know, that, that connection like is, is means the world, you know, and now they're coming to the space and it's like, this is great. Like you see the vision that we had and you know, whether it's me or it's, the actual beverage, uh, you know, or this other spaces that we were in, like, you know, I, I feel very thankful for, for being able to do that and, and having those relationships being built. Well, let's talk about the shop. So you've been open for how long now? About a month. Yeah. About a month. It's already almost a month. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So being open and, you know, soft open, yeah, this was not the softest of soft openings. Uh yeah, we didn't intend it to to <laughs> to ramp up like it did. Uh, but social media, you know, like uh, Steve Carter said it best. He says there's no such thing as a soft opening with social media. You know, Steve Carter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and it, it was true. I and mean, I think to your credit, because of because of the positive things that came from the pop up, people were ready. People yeah. ready, ready to come in and excited to come in and support. Yeah, and we had to shut the pop up down a couple of weeks prior because we wanted to get open. You know, we we slowed down to get us to the point where we could really work on the shop and then really get off the ground running um, for our own sakes. You know, feel good about where we're at. Um, and I think we've done a successful job so far is like really putting out a good product and bringing something new, new to, to the area. Um, you know, being like a multi roaster and bringing in coffees that haven't been really served here yet. Um, and then, you know, offering a space that doesn't exist yet in, in Rochester, the, the way it does, I think, you know, community tables and, you know, just, just the way that it feels to me, maybe cause I, am a part of that. I don't know. You know, maybe that's yeah. my own, my own, uh, ego there speaking, but like, you Let's know. Talk, what, what were you trying to do there? What, what was the intent with the design? I, I do want to get back to the multi roaster part. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, sure. that's interesting, but let, let's talk about the design. What, what was about the design that was important to you? To, to me, capture? uh, I wanted to keep the idea of the mobile bar in, in to like 
to people understand that that it's approachable. So I wanted lower uh, bar. So the bar's lower, so it's a little more approachable. Um, I wanted to be able to, you know, have a lean bar in front of the espresso machine, so you can actually you can see people, you can dialogue with people while you're working on the machine. And I actually, I, I kind of my the first time I went in there, that's where I stood because that's I'm there mostly to drink espresso, and I naturally stood there. Yeah. And when I got there, I was ready, and I drank my espresso right at the right at the lean bar. Yeah. I didn't think about it. It just worked. Yeah, I and that's that's what it's there for. Like I, I'm that person too, right? Uh, and that doesn't interrupt someone's working flow, right? And I think that's super important. Is like you can dialogue with somebody without feeling like you're interrupting. Um, and that was part of the whole design of that bar. Um, and then the community tables were just you know I want people to sit next to each other. I want people to engage with each other on a different level. But I also the seating and the stools that exist are modular, so you can move them. They're movable. Like, feel free to make the space what it is. You know, like, there's two benches along a window. If you need a table, pull a stool over there. You know, like, I want it people to make it adaptable for themselves. It's an interesting idea. You know, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I I see that now that you're mentioning it. <laughs> Yo, know, that. I mean, everything. It it looks like a set of blocks essentially. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it is stash furniture. There's there's a lot of hard angles, a lot yeah. of everything. But it, it's it is mobile. It's movable. Having that ability is kind of cool. Yeah, and that's like the idea of like mobile bar. Keep that like idea like in in a weird way, you know, in a like concrete way in a brick and mortar location. Keep it still have that same feel in a yeah. way, you know, the mobility and the adaptability. So like my bar is adaptable to spaces. The furniture is adaptable to your use. You know, yeah. So like, you have a stool that could be a table, you have a bench that could be a table, or you know, like those little like nods. You know, like having just just having things to be movable for events when we we open later, and if we do want to have like event night or something, you know, we can move everything. Everything is movable. Yeah, and I think that central location is going to be great for it too. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, people have already asked, so I, I'm excited to see what we can do with with what we have right and see i mean what develops because i i think that that sense of regularity not not regular events necessarily but people that have adopted adopted ugly duck is one of their places already i think that could be really cool to see what people do with the space yeah totally uh you know like there's you know we already have regulars in it and that amazes me you know like even though we're only open eight to three right now you know like we've already seen people sometimes twice a day that work in the neighborhood yeah which is pretty cool well and that's what you always hope you want the neighborhood people to stop by you want them to understand what you're doing yeah and you want them to like it you know, most importantly, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose that's a good thing too. You don't want to be like the only option, right? But like right. being not the only option in like a thousand square feet or a thousand yards or whatever, you know, there's multiple places where you can get coffee and Absolutely. people choose to come visit us. And, and that's an awesome, awesome feeling. So what, let's talk about the coffee. I mean, coffee yeah. is obviously a big part of what you do. Yeah. You are a coffee forward business. It's not a right now you know it's not focused on food it's not focused on anything else it is coffee yeah, straightforward yeah. so seem you seems like you mimicked the mimicked a lot of what the cart was doing already yep still focusing on the espresso part of the drinks yep and added on some other stuff as well absolutely so 
We're still doing multi roaster. Yeah. So what what is explain multi roaster to people because it sounds it sounds fancy but it's it's uh, not no. Uh, so I I mean, multi roaster the w- easiest way I can explain that to anybody uh, is it's like a craft beer bar for coffee, straight up. Like you go to a bar, you you have choices of breweries that might be local, that might be national. Um, so for me, I like to highlight coffee. Uh, on that national and regional level. So uh, the idea is to always have a regional roaster on and then also a national one or international if we get there, you know, um, to say, hey, A, uh, the local coffee scene is is even playing field what's going on nationally. 100%. But nationally, there's some really cool stuff that's going on out there, um, you know, out in California, out in the Midwest, East Coast, everywhere, you know, small towns everywhere. There's, you know, specialty coffee is is blowing up, and there's no reason we can't try as much as we can. Yeah, and, and you, you're, it doesn't seem like you're locking into like, oh, we're rotating between six places. Right, right. No, That's not it. at all. Not at all. I am I am willing to try anything in and everything from anyone, um, as long as it's specialty coffee, as long as it's, you know, in that mindset that we are treating the people serving or not even serving, but you know, growing that coffee respectably, getting them a good wage. And then throughout that process, like quality being the focus. Sure. So I do want to get into that side of things sure. as well, but I mean, let's keep on talking about coffee. So you're doing, you're doing local, uh, local regional, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So what, cause one of your base coffees is gimme out of Ithaca. Yeah. They're awesome. And I've been to one of their shops, really cool, and I think one of those that in Rochester we kind of forget. It one Ithaca's not that far away. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. And two, it's a really big company. Yeah, yeah, they're huge. They've been doing it for over a decade at this point. You know, they've been doing specialty coffee for about a decade. That's amazing to me. And they're an hour and a half away, if if that. You know, that means they, that means they were years, years ahead of Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, in Ithaca. Yeah. And they, you know, two shops in Ithaca, one in Trumansburg, and then they went straight to New York City. Jeez, I, I yeah. forgot they had one in New York, too. Three. Three shops three in the New, in York, New York, York City area. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty serious. Yeah. And they use all Ithaca milk. Really? Yeah. Even in New York? <laughs> Even in New York. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's exactly what you'd hope they would do. Yeah. But that kind of scale up to be serving in the city is, it's a whole different story. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I mean, it just the amount of coffee that they they roast and the quality that I've received and commitment I've received from their company has been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing. Like, everyone over there has been super helpful and supportive. Um, and, you know, they're just... They, you know, helped me go through the process of buying equipment and doing doing things like that that you don't know of. You know, like, what kind of power, what kind of plumbing, all this back-end stuff that you don't really think about too much because you're like, oh, this equipment's cool. I want to get this thing. But then what about <laughs> the pitch of your plumbing and what kind of electric are you using and right. all this stuff? So Because they've seen, seen and heard everything. Yeah, exactly. And they have technicians, you know? And so, like, all those things uh, that you don't think about um, because you're so focused on the coffee and equipment, and they worry about a lot of that stuff and help you guide you through that process. But, yeah, if, I mean, Gimme Regional, they're great. Um you know, especially with this focus on like this uber local movement, I think it's really good sometimes to step back and be like, hey, we don't just because it's local 
doesn't mean it's always going to be good. So we should be raising that bar and raising ourselves to a standard. Um, not to say that there isn't good coffee in Rochester, which there absolutely is. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just, I just think that, you know, for me, gimme is kind of like, they're my backbone right now. Sure. So, and there's, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I don't think you get many complaints about it either. They're, they're no. blunt, the, the leftist point is what you use most of yeah. the time. Yeah. And really consistent, friendly product. Absolutely. But friendly, not, it's, I say friendly, not in a derogatory way. No, I totally know what you mean. You mean like, and for me, that's intentionally, right? So uh, I want to be approachable to those people that, uh, come in and they're used to having like a really syrupy, chocolatey, you know, espresso. And that's what leftist is. And it's, it is that, but it's more than that. Right. You know, so it suits that friendly nature of like that person that just wants that darker, richer flavor. But it also is like super balanced and it has those other notes that once you start thinking about it, you're like, whoa, this is a really good espresso. Right. Cause drinking it, drinking it straight, you're like, oh, okay, I get why people like this. But those extra dimensions make it not boring. Because you could have something with all those same things and you put it in milk. You don't notice that much of a difference. Right. But when you're drinking it straight and you get that, oh, it's got those those different characteristics. And even when they're varying the different regions and doing everything else with it, it still provides consistent interest. Absolutely. And that's important, especially you know when you serve a lot of milk-based drinks, too. Um, not, I mean... Honestly, I put it this way. Um, that leftist espresso is really great in milk, like no matter which way you have it. Um, and, you know, how many people am I going to serve that I can serve like this really, you know, the, like the gusha that I had on from Sweet Bloom? How many people are really going to notice the difference of me like putting a really great espresso in your latte? Right. Not many. And I mean, the milk obfuscates all the subtleties anyways. Right. So you're going to get like one or two notes of that rather than this like, oh, cool. This is like a really rich latte. Cool. Like, great. This is services what I want, you know, so I'm not going to blindly serve you, you know, a gesha in your latte unless you you like you're like, oh, what's this coffee all about? Like, yeah, then I'm going to talk you down and probably have you drink it in a cappuccino and then a shot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean, you know yeah, I mean, to highlight those those flavors like you know that's right. when when you're when you're talking about different roasters when you're talking about different opportunities i mean from coffees i've tried from around the world i haven't done a lot of international coffee right but i i just recall this this one we were, we were in toronto we went to a shop and they were serving coffee scandinavian coffee all oh, right on and it was one of the more odd experiences i've ever had the lightest roast i've ever had <laughs> I mean the the brewed coffee was like black tea red. Yeah, you know that really red color. There's almost no darkness to it other than that, and it was so subtle, floral, and everything else. And it was completely fascinating, but so different from any coffee I've ever had before. And I think that multi roaster, not not necessarily that experience, right? But you're able to you know reach out to. I, I saw you had one. We had one. You had from uh, Kentucky. That you were getting samples from. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Quills. Yep. Right, so you had samples from Kentucky. I know you've had you know stuff from uh, Minnesota. You had something from San Francisco. Yep, yep. Four there, Barrel and then uh, Dogwood from Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different opportunities, as you oh, were saying. Oh, so many. So I mean, there's like, a, yeah, there's coffee roasters everywhere in this country right now. I mean, they're popping up like 
like it, it's it's that focus of quality that people really want to surround themselves and ultimately the service industry is the backbone of this country right now like, yeah straight up <laughs> you're you're right i mean there's because you know even you're not growing coffee you're right. you're serving yeah absolutely i am and the i am like what i try to impart is that i am a steward of this whole process. Like I am the last person in this process and you know, it's up to me to make sure it is tasting really good and it's highlighting this aspect that I care about so much. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good time to pivot and let's talk about Rory. (laughs) Um, so the, the reason I decided to pivot there, it was, I think what you're saying kind of highlights conscientiousness. Sure. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. <laughs> um, but I, I think for someone, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know you that well, but we've had some conversations, and I think some something you describe you as you're you're a conscientious person, which I appreciate because I mean it's we don't always have the same views, right? But whenever I talk to you, I feel that you've thought through things. I think that you're conscientious about what you believe in and why. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for one, I mean, let's start with directly to the coffee shop side is, I mean, the service part of what you do is, I think, pretty forward. So like when I, you're, you're very interactive with the customers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you were definitely one of the more conversational baristas. You're engaging. And I know, you know, things get busy. Everybody gets bogged down. That's the way of the world. But you always seems like you're trying, you're excited to meet people. You're excited to explain the story of things and to, as you're mentioning, be a steward of the coffee. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, part of service in general is, is creating those connections and really being excited about what you're doing. Um, and I understand that in the grand scheme of things, um, being a server or uh, a steward of what a product isn't always someone's endpoint, but um, finding the value in that narrative is really important to me. Um, you know, and I bring that back a little bit to to being at Joe Bean for so long and really seeing the impact of direct trade relationships with farms. You know, like having uh, a coffee that they bring in directly impacting a farm and seeing that impact like in reality is, is kind of amazing. Um, and coffee can do that. And I think that's amazing. Um, and that excites me and that excites me that other people like can value that, um, whether that's community outreach or whatever, you know, and I try to explain my passion with that. I try to relate that with other people's passions too. Like whether it's, whether it's, other service beverages or foods or whether that's playing music and, and do or doing art. Like they're all one in the same and I value them all. I mean, I think that's, that's the fun part of learning and growing as a person. Yeah. We'll get in, we'll get into your music stuff a little bit later too, (laughs) of course. Um, um, so the other part when I'm, when talking conscientious was, um, as I got to know you a little bit, um, you're you're the kind of vegan that I like <laughs> <laughs> because I you know I I do identify a lot with it. I'm trying to be more conscientious with any consumption of meat based products that I that I do. 
from a personal standpoint, but when I know when other I've seen other people talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. I think your your positivity and your you're not a militant. <laughs> I've grown out of that. Yeah. Did yeah. Did, did you used to be? Uh, I think more so. I think any any person that makes that that directive change in their life uh, initially is for sure. Uh, you know, I've been vegan over ten years, so I've seen a lot and I've learned my approach to yeah. my life. Um, and you know, it's like the age old saying that personal is political, and I'm not going to change the world by you know, holding a flag and yelling my beliefs over the top of my head all the time. So, you know, I do it with an approachable, respectful way. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, there's certain things that I will and won't do, but at the end of the day, like, uh, we can conversate about anything yeah. and, and I'm not going to like rip your head off. Right. If you I mean, eat a meat sandwich in front of me, I don't care. Like that's your choice. That's the way you live your life. Like don't, don't begrudge me for eating a tofu sandwich and we're good. You know? Right. I mean, because you're, I mean, you're, you were serving at places that served meat. Yeah. You still serve regular milk yeah. at your coffee bar. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I, I, I think I've come to respect that balance point. Yeah. Totally. A lot in life. Totally. I mean, it's kind of like this, you pick your battles, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a vegan lifestyle, but, it does everything I do me like vegan? No. Like no. I have rubber and glue on my shoes probably that isn't vegan. And you know, it, there's all these like belittling nitpicky things that we can of go course. over. Right. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like stress about it. Like I do what I can the best way possible that I feel good about. And at the end of the day, I just, I really want to make the smallest impact on the earth as possible. Right. And that's, doing what I'm doing. I don't, I, you know, like if something vastly changes, then who knows? Like I've always been the person to be like, I'll eat a human before I eat, a, eat an animal, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, if it gets to that point, I don't know, you know, like, uh, but if, I, if, I, if I'm on a plane and it crashes in the Andes, hey, I'm ready to dive in. Hey, you know, like if you like survival thing, you know, like I don't know how to kill something, so I'm not going to eat it. Uh, that that's that's the end product like you know i do i know how to grow things a little bit but there's i don't know man like there's we could go down that rabbit hole but i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna stress about trying to change everybody's lives like yeah i i mean there was a point where you know like yeah i yelled top of my voice like why you know you know certain things are wrong and what 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 ages what ages were you oh, dude i don't even were you so early we're, 20s early we're, 20s we're, the, early we're 20s. around the same age right 30 i'm 35 okay so yeah, yeah. 32 we're about the same age yeah yeah so in your early 20s i mean that's obviously yeah. the time when that happens right uh, absolutely yeah so yeah i you know started being vegan when i was what 20 what was it 9 2002 so 22 22 okay so yeah I'm always, what, what was there like one thing or was it just a constant Why moving towards yeah yeah what what was the what was the impetus if any to be on, I will totally be honest and I'm honest about most things in my life yeah uh, I went vegetarian uh, in my early on when I was like 15 16 years old because I saw my brother's friends doing it and I thought it was cool 
Yeah. Yeah. I got into skateboarding and my brother was skateboarding and these kids were vegan and vegetarian. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Which for that time period, that was not a common viewpoint. Right. Yeah. No. I, it wasn't I was like. A, I was a total, like, total outcast. And like, I mean, the kids were like total. I, it was me moving away from the city to the suburbs and a total lifestyle change for me, like just being total just different as far as like living wise culture shock in a way right because now if you did that at 15 people are like oh yeah i mean come on that's that's what everybody's doing man yeah think 94 right 93 90, 94 around 95 yeah no not as yeah. much then so it was it was interesting my parents freaked out you know they didn't <laughs> uh they didn't like it they you know they're like you need your protein you need to eat your chicken but you know what that did that really made me research and look into why i was doing what i was doing um, because I was doing it just to be cool. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was trying to fit in and I was like, you know what? These kids are doing it. They're cool. They're older than me. Uh, and that's what I, that's what got me into, <laughs> into it. But that's also what got me into learn more about it. And then, right. uh, I was also a vegetarian that was like, I love cheese. I'm never going to stop eating cheese or drinking milk. And, you know, I used to dunk my Oreos in milk and love it. Um, and I didn't intentionally go vegan. Like I just ended up being vegan and was like, this is it this makes sense to me. Like the more information I read and the, the more things I learned about my life at that time. And it's just stuck with me. Yeah. I think that's, and again, from, from having conversations with you. And I think if somebody does ask you, I think they'll find, you know, if somebody asks you why yeah, yeah. you can, you can tell them. Yeah. And you can say, Hey, this is why I've done it. I'm not going to force it on you, but this is why I've done it. I'm, and I can, probably back up what i'm saying <laughs> to a point i would hope <laughs> but you know it's it's i think that approach lends more people to think about it in a positive way than the militant approach because i think the militant approach tends to be preaching to the choir I'll, I'll, yeah definitely at times but i do think i think that like with any movement there's value in all of aspects of them mm. um so you know like with any movement, it really needs someone that's spearheading uh, a very outspoken message. There needs to be that, but there also needs to be that person coming back and being a little tamer because I think there's value in all of it. Um, without some of that direct action stuff, we wouldn't have uncovered a lot of a lot of the terrible things that are happening in in some of the farming practices that are that are going on. Like it's true. So for food and animal, you know what I mean. So uh, without those perspectives. Um, I think there's value in all of them, but yeah, like for me personally, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try to like force anyone to live a lifestyle that they really aren't acceptable of right on their own terms. And you know, like some people don't have the ability to make that change and that's totally something that people should understand. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something I, I struggle with personally. I, I, I understand the arguments, and I found it different. I, I try to reduce and be as balanced as I can be. And I, I'm just saying, just I mean, not to defend myself because no, it yeah, is yeah. what it is. Um, but it, it, I try to make a conscious effort for most of the food I eat not to use, not to have, not to have um, meat products or animal products in most of what I do. Not saying I don't sometimes, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's it's it is a conscious effort for the things that we cook, and it's really not that difficult once you think about what you're doing and why. Yeah, I I mean, 
you know, my mom's always said, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, and whether or not I do that, but like I, I try to have, think about that across the board, especially with food, honestly. Yeah. Like you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, you go to a restaurant like Fiorella and you don't really see anything vegan inherently on their menu. Like for me, right? you know, and just having a conversation with them, it's like, yeah, we prepare things very simply and we try to get the flavors out of their food. And I think that place is a great example of somewhere. And I think where what the more popular, um, the popular way to say is, you know, the a whole food plant based diet. Yeah. But if you're eating whole foods, if essentially you're eating individual ingredients in you know processed ways in some form or another, but it's not that hard to separate it out and not have anything with dairy and meat in it. Yeah. I mean, for the, for so many cuisines are so well suited for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm picking them as an example because yeah. a, they're my favorite restaurant in Rochester right now. I, it's hard <laughs> to disagree, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'll scream that from from any mountaintop right now. But uh, eat, like, their pasta is handmade. Their food is like so accessible for anybody. Like the gnocchi on Thursday nights is like mouth watering. Like just amazing, uh, and if all they have to do is remove one ingredient to make that vegan, what's that say about the product? I think that they're highlighting what's actually the raw product. Like that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I can only imagine if I did eat those other products, like what they would taste like. I'm like, that would be awesome. But you know, like, and I have no, like I'm the type of vegan that would love, wants to go to better restaurants and eat a simpler food that is taken care of rather than a high processed like meat substitute. Yeah. And I think that that was, that's kind of been my point for a while with, um, with vegan, a lot of the vegan cookery, um, part locally, part elsewhere is when it's like, Oh, we're, it's a steak sandwich. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. I I mean, make it taste great. Make, make, make your mushrooms taste phenomenal. You know, if you want, if you want, you know, seasoned mushrooms, make them taste delicious. And you can, yeah, yeah, totally. And I, it's really not that hard to do. Make me jealous by eating mushrooms because I'm allergic. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you're terrible, so, terrible. So, oh, yeah. you're you're so you're missing out on one of the huge <sighs> Yeah, it's awful. For, I mean, that's like one of my go-tos. Yeah, it's great. For they're vegan great. food. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I it's that's a, it's so bad. It's a developed allergy, so I'm hoping it that it goes away. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard of a mushroom allergy before. Yeah, I've met one or two other people one of yeah. them, when I was serving at the Owl House, they're like, oh, I'm allergic to mushrooms. I'm like, you are? I am. <laughs> so it was like a really nice bond. Uh, yeah, so, mushroom allergy reunion. Yeah. So, and it's it's really, it's crazy because uh, there's this like Worcestershire sauce, the vegan Worcestershire sauce that uh, Owl House was using, and they are using it in something a while back. Yeah. And I had something with it in it because um, I asked if there was mushrooms in it, and they were like, no. And so I ate it, and I was like, are you sure there isn't mushrooms in this? Because instantly I felt it. It's not a deathly allergy, but it swells up my throat. It burns taste buds off my tongue. It's not fun. No, Uh, that doesn't sound like fun. So like I just, it was a tingle. I was like, this doesn't normally happen. And then they looked at the Worcestershire and it's like, yeah, it's in there. There's not much in there. I was like, well, sorry, but like for me, like it, it sucks. Yeah. uh, Cause I love, mushrooms i loved them like portobello mushroom sandwiches like all of that stuff like delicious yeah um if you're making stocks and you're making if you're trying if you're 
if they would intend they actually started doing the mushroom gravy separately like for their brunch mm-hmm. brunch like stocks separately so their soup stocks didn't have mushrooms in it oh my god so for, i mean so i could eat the soup like yeah. how amazing is that like I mean, Ma- maddie is like Maddie and Candace over there have been awesome. So I mean, Maddie, Maddie's a Maddie's <laughs> such a character. I need to talk to him more. I really I loved having him over here. He's oh, such great. a cool guy. Yeah, he's amazing. He's another one of those people that is exactly who he is. Yeah, and with with no reservations about loving whatever he loves. Yeah, that's great. The, the like the only stories I hear about him is like, oh yeah, he loves his giant sweet tiki drinks. Yeah, yeah, he just goes and just enjoys himself. Totally, totally, he, and. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it back to you because because we're we can here. keep going. We're going to talk about Maddie forever. Uh, <laughs> but it was some of the conversations we had where I'm like, oh, okay, I identify with a lot of things that you're doing. Like, so you don't drink, yeah. You don't. You do vegan, yeah. So you're into skating. You're into yeah. singing. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's not singing. I would say yelling and jumping around like an idiot <laughs> is probably the, the more accurate term. Yeah, being in hardcore and punk bands is like goes back to like that vegetarian offset interest. Interest, you know, vegetarian like, straight edge. I mean, yeah. it was definitely of the time too. Yeah, mid nineties. You know, that was the big deal. Earth crisis. You that know? W- that was really of the time. <laughs> um, but you but you stayed on with it. Yeah, it just it hung on to me. You know, like there's the more I thought about it, the more I grew up. Uh, the more in my life I saw what I didn't want through other avenues, you know, like sure. having, you know, alcoholism be prevalent in your, in your family and seeing that directly affecting your family kept me away from indulging. Yeah. I mean, I, I only started like, was it three years ago or yeah. something? And I, I didn't touch it until then. Yeah. I remember us having tons of conversations about it. And, yeah. and my whole thing is, I understand why people do it. Like it's sure. cool. Like drink, but for me, I'm a I have an addictive personality, and I know that if I did it, I would do it in excess, and no one would like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I that's it's one of those things I do respect. I again in our when we've talked, it is the it's that self knowledge. Yeah, it's that understanding that you know. I know what's right for me right now. This is what I'm thinking. You know, if it changes later and I decide and you decide to do something else, you have thought through it and you say, "Hey, this is doing this for a reason." Um, I don't know. It's I, I find the conversation interesting because I've had it so many times. Right. I had it so many times, <laughs> and you know, it was a different conversation in my early twenties, right, and in college than it was later on because I was like, at some point. I'm not having the talk again. I don't have it. Yeah, it gets exhausting, but, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that. It depends on the context, just like anything else. I had plenty of people. They almost get angry. Oh, totally. Isn't it? Isn't that totally. weird? I, it's super defensive. Yeah. Super defensive. Uh, to me, anyway. Uh, so, like, you know, saying you don't drink it ultimately leads to, you know, straight edge culture is, is a bigger thing. So people understand it more. So, you know, then it'll come off like, so are you straight edge? And it's like, yeah, but like, that's not <laughs> what I wanted to lead with or even right. talk about. Cause I, that's yes. But like, that's, does that matter at this point in the discussion to me? No, to right. them, yes. And does it I also guess. matter in 2016? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, well, what if I was like, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic 
Right. Then then it gets into a really somber state situation, right? right? And it's also if you said it and you and it's not true. Right. It completely stops the conversation. Right. It's over. Yeah. Because you can't argue with that. But if you're making a choice, people can argue with you all day. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But you know, and like if you want to have a conversation, I'm willing to have the conversation. But mm. if you're you know, looking for something else, like I, I don't know what to tell you. Like this is the path I'm I'm leading. Yeah. In my life, you know. Uh and you know, to live you know, and at this point I'm just like I'm I'm sober. Like uh, right. that's what I'm going for. Like I went to a coffee shop today and I know I ordered three coffees for myself. Like <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. You know, like if that was alcohol, I would probably do the same thing if I drank. <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> in my head I'm like you know, I'm just relating that. Like, I would do that if it was if I was drinking. Yeah, and I would probably say that I had friends with me, and I probably didn't. You know, <laughs> so you can see just just it's one step. Yeah, totally. For me, you know, like throughout my life, like buying records and you know, like being into the things I'm into. You know, like you know, I there was a time period where I played a lot of cards and and spent a lot of money doing that and. That was addictive, and I realized that, and I stopped doing it. Oh, I'm interested. What 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 was your what was your thing? Oh, I you know a bunch of my friends and I we loved playing Hold'em, Texas okay. Hold'em, like in person or it. online, both. So both. this was in like the golden age of online, right before it. Yeah, right yeah. before it, we we had like some sketchy games in Rochester that really? we would go to. Yeah, tons, Aww. and then we would make trips to the casino, and you know, like yeah, it was it was a thing. Yeah, and you know there was there was a time where. You know, I probably didn't admit it that I had an issue, but, you know, huh. I was running away from other things in my life at the time, and that's what I dove into straight up, playing high, high <laughs> playing some <laughs> poker, man. Like, And at this point, I love it. Like, yeah. I would still play, but it's on a different, different wavelength, right. you know? And, you know, it kind of connects me with my family at this point, too, because they love playing cards, and, and that's fun. Like, I always grew up around it, but then I realized that there was, like, this addictive side to it. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole other oh, uh, yeah. level to I, it. I get excited about, like, still going to a casino. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. I, me and, me and uh, Ian Atwood, one, one night, we planned I could a, see Ian going to a casino. <laughs> we planned a trip. We joked about it, and then all of a sudden we did it. We, like, gotten he closed down at bartending at the Owl House one night, and we drove straight to the casino, and spent a part you know like from we got there at like one in the morning left at like six in the morning wow <laughs> yeah it, nice I, you know like those that used to happen a lot more in my life than it did you know once in a great while so yeah, yeah i just know there's that addictive side of it right when you can you can see it on the edges and you see you develop in one thing yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> that i mean I, it's probably not the best thing to say, but like, oh, that's pretty badass. Mm. And, and you know, it, it, I, and it's had, it has, I'm sure it had its moments when it was great and its moments oh, when it yeah. was just totally awful. I, you, you know, right now, like, I think that it's, it's hilarious, like, yeah. completely hilarious. And I love that, that that was a part of my life. Yeah. You know, like, I would never, any step in my life, I would not take away. Yeah. Any, any part of it. Well, you know what? I'm, I, I try not to, you know, I've gotten, a lot of my background, I've I've done a lot of, I was into stand up comedy for a long time, not not performing, but listening, and a lot of the stuff I listen to is aggressive, and yeah, it's yeah. it's laughing at darkness, it's and aggressively laughing at aggressively dark situations. So when I hear that, I'm like, oh, okay, 
I see the darkness <laughs> in it. But the first thing I think of is, oh, that's that was a cool darkness. Yeah. But at the same time, I do I, I respect that. Respect the move away from it because of the knowledge. And again, that comes back to that conscientious behavior. Yeah, you try. You, you I mean, I'm one one of those people that tries to develop a sense of why I'm doing something. Yeah. And if I don't see the purpose, what's the point of doing it? Yeah. Um, and Chris and I have developed this newer mentality. It's like if it's not fuck yeah, then it's no. I like that a lot. Yeah, like this. Like this is new this year. You know, like we heard something and something resonated with us and we're like yeah if it's not fuck yeah no like just you know now what's the point of wasting time and energy yeah i mean if you're not getting excited about it if it's not engaging you in some sort of way some sort of positive way why are you doing it yeah yeah i mean you know like you're always serving somebody right in 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 the world that we live in or in the world that I live in, you know, doing coffee and serving coffee and being yeah. that person. Um, and I love doing it. Uh, but there's, there's people ask you a, a lot of you sometimes. And sometimes you just have to say no. There's value in no. Huge uh, value in no. And, and I think that we're caught in a world where that is misunderstood in a lot of ways. Uh you know, being told no is is kind of taboo in the service industry in a weird, weird part. Um, we want to go above and beyond a lot of the times, and, and we try to, but there's a certain part, it's like, maybe we're not for you, and that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And like, say, saying no can give you a reputation, too. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, either. I mean, I, I respect it a lot. I think it's important, because for anything that you do, there's a place for you. And I think being able to identify what your place is, people don't people don't go to a Metallica concert when they like John Denver music. It's, well, if they do like both, like oh yeah, congrats. Sure. sure. Right. That, that's that, that's a whole other crossover <laughs> audience. But if you're going if you bought a ticket to Metallica and you're expecting John Denver, yeah, totally. Like and pe- I think that just doesn't happen very much. Right. Because People know there's musical differences. And I think, I mean, it's starting to become more conscious that that applies to everything. Yeah, totally. That there's, there are, there's sects of everything for, for everybody in, you know, in comedy, you shouldn't like the same thing as everybody else. I mean, you want to go see many people like, oh, Jim Gaffigan's at the Blue Cross Arena. He's a great comedian, super family friendly. A lot of people love him. And I'll just name one of you know my favorites. You know, you want to see Jim Norton, completely different comedian, 180 degrees. They're great friends, and they're completely different on stage. And I'm going to pivot into music. <laughs> and so we, we talked about music. We talked yeah, about yeah. coffee. So you know, coffee, great. You want Tim Hortons every morning, great. Good Sweet. for you. Yeah. You enjoy it. And it gets you going in the morning. If you're looking for something different. You're not getting that at where you are. Yeah, that's not the style. Yeah, it's not the. It's you know if if you want Tim Hortons, cool, right. do it. Uh, if you want to switch up your routine and get something that's, I I don't I mean, I guess it depends on what you're getting at Tim Hortons. Like if you're just getting a cup of coffee, like a big cup of coffee, right? Um, and I don't know. I guess I'm the type of person that 
I, I guess I am super conscientious. Now that you like you 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 say that word, and now that I'm I wedging it in there, I'm like I'm like thinking. So like you, I'm thinking about what you're getting from that Tim Hortons coffee. Right? I, I knew I so I didn't I didn't want to dive into it too much because if if we really get into that that part of coffee, you can really for for those of you that haven't looked into coffee at all, there's a lot of negative issues. I mean, it's factory farming. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's, so let's it's, just leave it at that, right? It's, it's factory farming, whether it's whether it's coffee, whether it's animals, whether it's dairy, whether it's um, whether it's wine, what, you know, whether wine or monocultural whatever. monocultural vegetables. Yeah, it's all factory farming, and it's all detrimental, each in its own way. And I'm not going to be super <laughs> preachy, but you you should read a little bit and understand. Where the products are coming from, you know, and if you and, don't and try, I mean, ju- yeah. just make an effort. You don't have to change everything you do, but if you read, it's hard not to think about it at least a little bit. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you should definitely. If you, if, if, if you, yeah, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you really should. You should not be going there. But also, if you, I mean, I, it's not. I mean, most people listen to this already know. I'm not preaching to the choir, but right. that's. And if if you're hearing it for the first time for whatever reason. <laughs> Really, I mean, think about think about what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to be active all the time. We all need to crash. We all yeah. need to veg out. But think about what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- just thinking about the value of that that cup of coffee. What does it bring? What does it? It gets you that boost you need, right? Which is fine. But does it pay? Like, how much? does it cost to get to the point where you're you're receiving it right so like these chains you know like they've got it pretty dialed in where they're making a profit off of what you know like that's how i see the value in it it's like the people working probably aren't making you know a great amount of money like where's the value in that like you know as opposed to your independently owned cafe where you can create a relationship and they're you know that's where I see it. You know what I mean? Like the people working, you create a relationship, you, they're getting paid better. They value the products. Like there's a whole thing, you know, even if it's like finger lakes or any of those places, you're still, there's, they still value something. Um, that's where I see it. You're supporting an ecosystem. Yeah. And it just depends on how shallow of an ecosystem you're supporting. Yeah. I mean, I'm with your, you're voting with your dollars and you're supporting, you're supporting some sort of an ecosystem. Yeah, totally. And it depends on how big or how small and to what ends you're supporting. Absolutely. So, all right, I'm going to stop preaching. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to talk to you about the thing I know least about what you do oh, yeah, yeah. is the singing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I, I, I know other things, yeah. but I think this is the thing I know least about, and I want to learn about it before we stop talking. Okay. So what's up with that? Uh, <laughs> what is up with that? So I've been in bands... I got into playing in bands in like 96, 97, uh, just yelling punk bands, you know, just goes back to my skateboarding punk roots, you know, like just being, uh, a kid that, that could do like, so before I moved to the suburbs, um, I was a kid that played sports. Right. Uh, but it wasn't 
because I was trying to excel at sports. It was like, oh, it was cool because my friends are playing sports and we did it together and we played baseball and basketball or whatever. Um, then we moved out to the suburbs and I tried out for these sports and it was super competitive and cutthroat and my parents were involved and all this weird like political stuff. Uh, so I was like, I still like to be active. So I got into skateboarding. Um, and fell in love. Uh, you can do it independently. You can do it with a group of people. And it forces you, drives you, and whatever. Um, and along with that came music into my life. Uh, I mean, I was into music before, but not really into music. Mm -hmm. um, and then I met people that were musicians that could play music. And so then that led into me playing, not even playing, yelling in bands and being angry and being like, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to vocalize what was in, inside in a way, you know? Uh, so did, did, did you have the anger? Yeah. I mean, I think any teenager does. Like, oh, I, I had the anger. Yeah. That's for sure. I, st I, you know, and that was my way of like getting out of a lot of my pent up aggression and anger. Uh, I'm still pissed off about yeah. a lot of things in this world. Um, I think everyone should be in a way, right? Um, so that was my way to express my feelings and, and anger, resentment, and what was going on in my life to tell a little bit of my story. Um, and throughout high school, throughout a little bit of college that I attended, I, I've been in bands since 1996, I guess. You know, I haven't stopped. Uh, still doing bands. Like, it's just, it's a part of me. It's my, my creative outlet, I guess, my process. Uh, and part of that is just like the release of playing a show is like exhausting and cathartic. It's like one of the things that levels me out. It's great. And, and I getting together with my friends and hanging out like that, that's, you know, super important. And it's, I've gotten to travel the world and the country a little bit and it's been pretty awesome. Really? You were, oh, you yeah. were at, you were at the touring level yeah, too. Yeah. A lot. Oh, yeah. look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I knew you did. It. I didn't know you were at the touring level. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Touring musician over here. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, uh, I lived in when Brian and I moved to Providence, uh, shortly after I moved there, I joined a band and we, before that I toured a, a bunch, but that's when I really toured a lot. Um, and we went to Europe a few times, went to Central America, toured the States a bunch. Because, I mean, that style of music, I mean, it had a bigger moment in the U.S., but I think it still carries more in, in Europe, doesn't it? Uh, Europe just cares more. Do yeah. they? I mean, is, is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, I mean, it's they're more socially democratic. Yeah. People understand that word a little more <laughs> uh, right now. Uh, not to get super political, but the first the first time I heard of Bernie Sanders was because I played the club that he helped build in Burlington, Vermont, called really? Two Four Two Main Street. Yeah, he was you know he's the mayor of that town, and that's that was like my first like it's like yeah this this dude Bernie Sanders like that's why this place exists, and I was like that's awesome, this is cool like you Look guys have you. an art supported like like club by the city like this is rad. Why doesn't everywhere have this? And then you go to Europe and you're like. Everywhere has this in Europe. Why can't this exist in the States? <laughs> like, they care about the arts. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, that, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just care more about artistic stuff. Okay. Uh, whether that's, like, art or... They have that, that funneling of monetary income. And it's, when I think it's also, it is... It's, I think, a little more diverse, too, because you, you hear that from... You hear that from metal bands. You hear that yeah. from... And because I think the people who are passionate... 
are vocally passionate about it. And obviously we have that here too, of course. Yeah. But I think there I think that diversity of opinions I think is more maybe a little more valued. Yeah. In that you you like what you like and people embrace it for real. Right. Well, here here's something that like I don't know, maybe not a lot of people think about, but I I did recently. Uh so when David Byrne played Jazz Fest, right? He's not a jazz artist. Like he's no he started at CBGB's in New York City, like shithole with the talking heads, right? Right. So now he's playing Jazz Fest, like what in Rochester, like it's not a jazz artist, but like he floated into that weird, like weirdo, like punky, new wavy, like dance arty, like what you know, like to be in acceptable enough, you know, like Iggy Pop and David Bowie, all these like weirdos, like that they expressed themselves and they were artists and they spoke volumes to a lot of people, but for whatever reason, like it's it's interesting to me that like it's okay to hang on to some of them, but not support have like a place a place you know for for a lot of disenfranchised or people that don't play sports and and vibe on that level um with like the culture that can build around that right because you you were i mean i know again speaking of you know cultural places you were were involved in the in the were you you involved in the skate park thing i'm assuming uh i mean not as much as i would always hope and want to i am an avid supporter for sure yeah uh, i helped do some fundraising stuff uh sure. house art shows and and things like that and donating money and uh you know still looking forward to try to help that happen um it's a great example of like what should be here and isn't unfortunately and uh y- you know like it'll get there we'll get there like i'm totally convinced that it'll happen um we just you know it's think about what what can bring people to a place and create a culture like what do we have that creates culture it's like service food industry drinking industry and you know arts and Mm -hmm. music um whether that's your broadway show or not like that there's that's kind of the the base of like our culture right um so that's how i see it anyway and you got to support those things without it cities will like completely fall on their face look at that <laughs> so we, we we've come all the way i'll keep i keep talking i'll keep talking <laughs> my wife hates it you know i know and i and this this is definitely one of those things that we can do a part two some I, I, I i think that's probably the best thing we can do for today um is pro- probably to stop here because we we didn't even get in we can only get we only touched we only touched on the surface of Rory today. <laughs> I'm a layered human, I guess. Yeah, you got more, you got more in depth than than some some people. So I mean, that, that's what I like to do. I mean, we have that opportunity here. Yeah, we we have the time. You get you get put put me and Brian in a room. You'll get some stuff. Oh, that that might be the best <laughs> way to do this. People love the last ones. <laughs> no, I mean this, this this was a good time. I always I always enjoy talking to you. So let let's get let's get the plugs out again for sure. Ugly Duck, and we'll we'll come back and do more another time. Yeah. So uh, Ugly Duck Coffee, come visit us, eighty nine Charlotte Street. Uh, now open Tuesday through Saturday, uh, eight a.m. to seven p.m. Um, check us out on all the social media: Ugly Duck Coffee, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff, and then check the website: UglyDuckCoffee.com. Awesome. And um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, 
you can find the podcast on foodabouttown.com. If for whatever reason you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe on iTunes or on the Google Play Store. And if you like the episode, please reach out on social media. Let Rory know. Let me know. And thanks so much for listening. And Rory, thanks for coming over. It was a thanks great for having me, Chris. Any questions, you know, I'm available. Hit yeah, me up. I think we'll do that. <laughs> See you. Take care.